Welcome to the British History Podcast. My name is Philippa Lacey Brule and I want to extend a warm welcome to you. If you are new here, hi, thank you for joining. And if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. In this podcast, we explore all sorts of things that have gone on in British history. We look at people, we look at events, we look at outcomes and perhaps look at them from a different perspective than usual. If you would like to support me in this free podcast, this podcast will always remain free, but if you would like to support me, then you can head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash British history. And you can choose the tier there that would suit you best, starting from any £3 a month just for your kind support. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live, slightly earlier time today of 11 o'clock instead of 1 o'clock, although seeing as you watch me from all over the world then um, maybe doesn't really matter to you and welcome if you're joining me on Instagram I'm streaming here live and of course on YouTube as well welcome as well if you're watching on the catch-up and of course if you're listening on the podcast which I know a lot of you do hi today we are going to be talking about some of the anniversaries that have happened this week in history two of which are today so we'll talk about how fog caused complete and utter chaos at the Battle of Barnet and led to the death of Warwick the Kingmaker. We're going to talk about the Earl of Bothwell dying his very sad, mad death in the dungeon of a Danish castle. Um, And also I will tell you about my most recent trip down to London because I know a lot of you are interested in in what it's like in London. to uh, to travel there at the moment so can everyone hear me okay before I move on um maybe send me some hearts if you're watching on Instagram and smash the like button if you are watching on YouTube that would be great um okay let me have a sip of my tea before I start monkey boy I don't know what that means in the chat you've put your finger there which makes me think you can't hear me which is now putting me off. Okay, (laughs) I've got hearts, so I'm presuming I can be heard, so I will carry on. So thank you everyone for joining. I am slightly early today. This is just for this week. However, what I will say is I'm not around for the next two weeks, but I'll tell you more about that later. Um, Before I get on to anything, I want to give a shout out to Catherine. She is the newest patron over on my Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash British history. And a quick mention, because she will be part of the competition, which is drawn tomorrow and includes anyone who is a paid up, made, pay, paid up patron today um, to win a year's digital subscription to the brand new Tudor Places magazine. Uh, if you want to know more about Tudor Places magazine, go to tudorplaces.co.uk. You can also um, find them on Instagram, Tudor Places. It looks to be a fantastic, fantastic magazine. Um, It's run by uh, Deb Royal, who's um, now one of my great friends, and we do the Visiting Tudor Britain room together. 
Sarah Morris, the Tudor Travel Guide, is a, uh, a, a contributor, regular contributor, as well as Julian Humphreys, who any of you who have joined us for History After Dark uh, room will have met on a couple of occasions as well. So, um, hi Anandita, how are you doing? Yes, I am doing it early today. <laughs> how are you doing over there in India? Is it still 40 degrees or something um, like it was last week? Um, Yes, because my uh, any of you who joined me last week will know that my daughter has been on a ski trip and they are due back bang on when I normally do my Thursday tea time live. And so today I'm doing it a bit early. So I know many of you will be catching this on the catch up. So apologies for not being able to coincide with my normal live time today. But hopefully you enjoy the chat after the after the live has um, been restreamed whatever the word would be uh, again so um, last week some of you may have seen if you were looking at the visiting Tudor Britain room that I was down in London I went down Thursday evening so I did this this Thursday tea time live last week and then went on to um, do actually a history after dark private um, zoom room with a wonderful wonderful lady called Emma and it was her 30th birthday and her husband had bought a private Zoom session with, for her with me and Kat and Catherine. And we had a fabulous discussion, loads of fun, talking about usurpation actually in the, in the Plantagenets and the Tudors. Um, oh, hi Emma, she's here. How are you doing? She gave us some lovely news as well. While we were on, we are now, can I say Emma? Um, I'm not going to say unless you tell me I can say, but uh, that was fabulous. So after um, after we finished there, Emma, I was straight in the car and down to London. So I will tell you a bit more about what it's like to be travelling um, around London at the moment. So so myself, Kat and Catherine are going to be aunties. <laughs> so Emma has found out she's pregnant. So. She was um, not going to be able to go out to the pub on her birthday. And uh, so we got to celebrate it with her instead, which was great. I hope you had a fabulous day, by the way, Emma, when we, uh, when we parted company. And thank you very much for sending us the photo of the scan. Scandalous that you didn't get a printout and you had to do it on your phone. But anyway, hopefully for your other one, you'll get some actual photo, uh, printed out photographs. So, yes, yeah, so I went down to London. There's a few reasons for me going down there. Hi everyone who's joining. Yes, I'm at different time today. Um, I've got something on at one o'clock today, so uh, I've gone a little bit early. Um, so thank you for joining me, especially when you're over in America, because I think it must be super, super early for you, unless you just haven't gone to bed. Maybe. Um, so, but maybe we'll get some more people from Australia. Um, oh, Janice is saying congratulations to Emma. It's very, very exciting. Um, so I went down to London for a few reasons. Um, it is less than five weeks until the tour that I'm running, the Anne Boleyn tour, uh, starts. Um, oh, Leah. Leah. Leah is coming. And Leah, yes, so it's a good time. Good time down in London. Uh, London? You're not in London yet. Good time down in Australia. Good morning, Jenna. 6am on Rhode Island. <laughs> Emma, had so much fun. Thank you, Auntie Philippa. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so... The Anne Boleyn tour goes in less than five weeks. So I was down in London doing some prep for that. Um, I always go down and double check arrangements for the pickup. 
um, place where we where we pick up, so a meeting point, because um, London changes all the time, and of course it's it's well effectively so for two years we've not been able to tour so actually it's three years since we last toured so anyway things change so I was down there doing that and some research for the live masterclass of visiting Tudor London that myself and Sarah Morris are taking at the end of May and if you're interested or you think you might be interested in that then make sure you're on my newsletter list because I'll be sending out some more details and a link to register your interest uh, this weekend. It, also if you're on Sarah's email um, list then, then she'll be sending out details as well and very soon we'll be uh, putting tickets on sale for that. But yeah so I was down there to um, <laughs> Janice so you're making sure we're awake. <laughs> oh, Leah right Leah says stop working out you're making me feel bad. Well I used to work, I, I used to work out all the time. I'm a bit of a, a I do a CrossFit, blah, blah, blah. Anyone who, who doesn't do CrossFit is like rolling their eyes. <laughs> but um, got me super fit, loved it, sorted out a bad back. I actually am a Richard III um, example. I have scoliosis and it really, really helps my back. Anyway, I got very fit and then lockdown hit and... Um, even though I was exercising loads, I think I was overeating and, and consoling myself with um, not a lot of wine, but I probably had a wine every night. Anyway, the pounds piled on, so I'm now getting back to being my super fit self, I hope, um, ready for the tours. So yeah, Operation Tour Fit, you can follow me on Instagram on my stories to um, to, to watch that. <laughs> Hi, right. Yes, I have I have my tea in back in my um, Valhalla. <laughs> a weights mug like last week getting into my anglo-saxon history actually before i move on let me tell you um i was i was speaking two days ago to elizabeth norton who some of you may know you may have seen her on the tv um she's well known for her tudor um history she's written quite a few books um she's also written um well she, she also has a strong interest and has written a book about one of the uh, Anglo-Saxon England, specifically the Queen. Um, the, the book's called Frida, but it's um, Athelfrith. Um, Leah, absolutely not <laughs> motivating me to not give up. Oh, good. Love working out with some health problems. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, um, I will keep going. Keep keep motivating people to get fit. There's going to be a lot of walking. Whatever you did manage to do, once you're on tour, you'll be like... I do feed you a lot as well, though, so... Hmm. I have this thing, I can't stand the idea of anyone going like hungry or I think it's, oh sorry, I'm touching my microphone. I think it's me. I panic about, um, is panic the right word? Probably not, but about going hungry. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> Leah, I'm going to, we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to have a bourbon when you're here. We're going to share one, not share a glass, I'll buy you one. <laughs> a drink, we'll share a drink together. Um, so yeah, so um, where was I? I can't remember. Uh, so yeah, so down in London, so I was looking at um, two places. The, the, so the main main reason for me to go down there was to check out the pickup point, the meeting point for the tours this year. But also because Sarah and I are doing this live Tudor London masterclass. So if you want to visit London and you're interested in Tudor history, it's absolutely perfect for you. Um, I went 
as part of that went to um, do some research at Fulham Palace, um, which is the uh, the seat or the house, the London house of the Bishops of London, or it was anyway until quite recently, but it was for 1300 years. So right back into Anglo-Saxon times. That's what I was talking about, seeing, uh, talking to Elizabeth Norton. Yeah, so, um, so yes, yeah, so you might know Elizabeth from Tudor history, but she's big into her Anglo-Saxon history as well. And, um, and uh, I'm going to be interviewing her in a couple of months. Patrons will get their chance to ask their own questions to Elizabeth as usual. Um, so, uh, yeah, and that, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Imagine if you're constantly in mum mode, feeding the peeps. I am, do you know, I'm, I feel like mummy duck, mother duck. And I tell you why that I feel like that or what made me realise that's how I felt is when I do the, the, the final drop off is um, everyone goes off in their own directions, you know, obviously <laughs> um, going to get the next train or taxi or whatever or going back to their hotels and suddenly I'm on my own. It's like I've got empty nest syndrome at the end of every tour. Um, so then I go to Covent Garden and, and have a champagne and toast myself. Um, for a good tour well done so I absolutely can't wait you may well tell that I'm quite excited so yeah less than five percent but we're like four and a half weeks out from the first tour of the season can't wait um but yes so end of May though um we'll be doing this visiting Tudor Britain room Fulham Palace will be covered in that so the bishops of London so in oh gosh which bishop was it I'm going to forget now in Mary the First reign, so there's, there's a if, when you go, there's a Tudor courtyard, so it looks very um, <laughs> Leah. Twenty one weeks to go. Can I lose twenty one kilos? Will there be any of you left if you lost twenty one kilos? <laughs> Where's Leah? I don't know. She lost twenty one kilos. We can't find her now. Um, and uh, <laughs> anyway, so there's a Tudor courtyard. If you have a look on my Instagram, I've done a, a real um, I was going to do on TikTok. I was just going to say I did it. I didn't in the end. Anyway, if you look on Instagram reels, there's, um, there's a reel uh, of the courtyard. I inside, because you've got to imagine, this is a home of the bishops of London. What do people in positions like this like to do? Stamp their mark on the institutions, the homes, whatever they have that they inherit as part of their, um, as part of their, uh, position so it has changed a lot inside um mad journalist do you have to schedule the interviews around the tours or the tours schedule is worked around the dates when the interviews can do it so tours tours are set tours are set in the diary 12 months before at least so everything works around the tours um yeah absolutely everything works around around the tours they are my core service it's just that the last two years obviously haven't been able to um to do it so uh yeah everything else everything else um fits in around and of course it would be a lot easier for me this year had I not been called for jury service which I will get on to tell you about in a bit because it means that I'm not going to be around for the next couple of weeks um so inside the Fulham Palace it's it's quite different because it's been changed updated bits have been taken down added on etc but in the great hall 
which does look different to as it would have done in Mary the First Reign, um, is where uh, Protestants. Um, I'm looking over there because the book's over there. But anyway, I'll have to try and remember, remember off the top of my head um, where where um, Protestants were were supposedly, according to um, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, tortured there by the Bishop of London at the time. So, you know, it's got a lot of Tudor history. You can still see, physically see some of the Tudor history um, and the stories related to to. Tudor history of course we'll be covering all of those in the in the live masterclass at the end of May as well as we're doing 16 locations and as well as suggested itineraries for people um, to help plan their trips yeah so not not very much stop Victorians yeah I know not nice but then these things did happen didn't they um uh yeah I also went to Westminster Abbey, which any of you who are interested in um, in coming to London, you may like to know that you can now take photographs inside, which you couldn't before. Um, yeah, my journalist. Yeah, everything. The 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 big group tours that because they're set in a, they're set in advance because obviously people book the year before as well. So I will soon be releasing the details of twenty twenty three as well of which I know there will definitely be an Anne Boleyn tour um yeah so Westminster Abbey um last time I went which was I was gonna say it's a couple of years ago it can't be it must be a little bit longer than that but you couldn't take photographs now one thing I've a caveat that I would give to people is just double check when you go because other places have allowed photographs and then they've revoked that permission um and at the moment, the crowds are probably, I think, you know, it was, it was, was I, yeah, so early April, um, few weeks off Easter. So it's probably not, it's not, it's definitely not height of tourist season. Um, so the crowds were probably about half to two thirds of what they were when I went in the um, summer. Hiya, Sam. Thank you for joining. Um, and uh, so it was great for taking photographs. And of course, so the reason I'm saying this is it didn't stop the flow of people going around Westminster Abbey. One of the things I'm wondering is when it gets very busy again, if people stopping and taking photographs, if they feel like it prevents the flow of visitors, I'm just putting it out there. I wonder if the um, the ability to take photographs will stay. I do hope so. Of course, Westminster Abbey is absolutely full, as you will know. The reason... Um, you know, people don't get buried there anymore. There's no space. Uh, and also you have uh, monuments uh, as well. You can see the incredible Cosmati pavement, Cosmati pavement, which is the uh, mosaic floor on which the coronation, actual crowning ceremony happens. Um, and at the moment there um, are the the Jubilee galleries open so these galleries were opened actually for the Golden Jubilee um, obviously we're now in the Platinum Jubilee year and um, you can go up it's, it's, it's a slight extra charge but you can go up into the into the galleries you can't take photographs up there as I found out <laughs> um, but you can see lots of brilliant things about the uh, the building of the Abbey some of the charters 
linked to the abbey when it was an abbey, not just an abbey church. Um, Emma says she'd like to visit when you're, she's in London in June. Oh, it's Jubilee weekend. The, the, right. And also Westminster Abbey, of course, is a working uh, church. So uh, yes, Romance Doc Victorians, I will get, um, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll answer your question in this in a second. Um, so because Westminster Abbey, of course, is a working church, check, especially around the Jubilee time, that it's not closed because the Queen's there, <laughs> you're not getting in. Um, uh, imagine guessing that the Jubilee galleries will be shut after the celebrations are concluded. I don't think so, because they were for the Golden Jubilee. Um, and the the exhibition that's in there is, it, it's a real, really, really interesting um, exhibition. So it has, like I said, these charters, um, a couple of them um, are very telling. They relate to, they're basically forgeries um, that were created by the monks to sort of say, look, we definitely, definitely have been given this land. Look, we have a charter which says so. Um, so they're very old forgeries and just obviously that story is telling in itself so there's there's those there's a uh tw oh, 1290 magna carta there there's a magna carta there anyway but the seals as well on these charters are interesting there's a there's one that remains with the bag that it came in um and you hardly ever see any of these bags so um uh Joan says are there effigies in the jubilee galleries right so that's the other thing that's really interesting um the effigies uh so there's an effigy that you might have seen pictures of of um uh, william the third and mary the second joint monarchs um there are some others there's elizabeth the first's um uh corset from her effigy and it is tiny the waist is ridiculously small probably like a 20 inch waist. Hi Lisa, yes, I'm a little bit early today because I have something on at one o'clock. So yeah, the effigy of Elizabeth, the corset is just ridiculously small. Now the one that really got me, then if you joined me for, uh, and the girls for visiting Tudor Britain last week, you'd have heard me uh, talk uh, talk about this, is Mary the First. Um, thank you, Melinda. Yes, I'll, I'll answer that in the moment as well. Um, so it's a wooden effigy. So, so it's off her uh, for her body, and her tummy, her belly looks six months pregnant, five six months pregnant. So you know when we hear the stories of how she thought she was pregnant, how she had a swollen belly, um, it's there. In, in her effigy um, and it was really quite shocking um, so so yes yeah, so um, uh, I can see that Jenna's answered the question but I will answer the question for well no so romance Victorian she wasn't she wasn't pregnant but she thought she was and she looks it um, uh, so yes thanks for Jenna but for, for the for the um, for people watching on YouTube and listening back later. So yes, there are Tudors uh, buried at Westminster Abbey, absolutely. So the Lady Chapel, also known as the Henry VII Chapel, is was, was 
built by Henry VII, hence why he his name is attached to it. But it, it was a lady chapel. It was it, the 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 one the previous one was demolished, and he he had that rebuilt as the Tudor mausoleum. Originally going to be at St George's at Windsor, um, uh, based around the idea that well, that's where um, his sort of hero uh, Henry VI wanted to be uh, buried. In fact, that wasn't the case. The the monks from Westminster Abbey said, well, actually, Henry uh, Henry VI wanted to be at Westminster Abbey. So he went right then and changed his mind and built his Lady Chapel as his family mausoleum at Westminster Abbey. In in the um, that sort of Gothic style, I can't remember the the name of the actual architecture, but it's, it's in total contrast to the rest of the Abbey actually um very very ornate you've got a f just that that fan vaulted ceiling inside so he is buried there alongside his wife elizabeth of york uh edward the sixth is somewhere there uh elizabeth the first was buried there by uh by james by her successor uh, she is in the same uh, sort of tomb hole <laughs> as uh, her sister, Mary I, uh, and Mary, Queen of Scots. So James had his mother, Mary, moved. Uh, she's in a, 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 a chapel, what do you call them? Chantry, uh, on the opposite side to Elizabeth. He had her moved there from Peterborough Cathedral, where she was originally, or, yeah, or where she was originally buried. Uh, you also have Margaret Beaufort, um next to mary queen of scots and um margaret douglas as well is there uh and anne of cleves who's a little bit more difficult to find or her, her stone is a little bit more difficult to find uh but she's she is also there the only one out of henry and his wives to be buried at westminster abbey um so yeah anne of cleves or anna of cleves made it there uh Imaginus, when, when you and the ladies were chatting last week, I hadn't realised it was actually carved. Um, and they said, yeah, so they, they and simulated the fact that she looked pregnant. Yeah, so so it was, um, yeah, just like a wooden, so if you were going to make a, who, whoever had carved this, this effigy of, of Mary seems to have followed it, suppose it, I, I imagine true to life, otherwise why would you put the belly on? Um but yeah, so yeah, Jenna, no wonder there's no more room. I mean, that's just the beginning. Someone asked earlier, I think it was Romance Victorians, about the, uh, so the princess in the tower. So some bones uh, in the, uh, so that's that's in the same chantry as Elizabeth I and Mary I, if I'm remembering that right. Um, so their bones are supposed to be in there. They're bones that were found at the Tower of London. So they're not conclusively the princes. These are the bones that some people would like. Um, and Emma, actually, we got talking about this, didn't we, on your um, your private um, history after dark room? Um, whether they should be exhumed, people. Some people want them exhumed to see if they can find out conclusively whether they were the sons of Edward the Fourth or not. The the, the 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 princes in the tower, so Edward the Fifth and his younger brother. Um, so let me just see if I've oh missed some comments here yes emma says i love the symbolism of elizabeth and mary being yeah counterparts and opposite each other of course interestingly the closest they came ever you know 
They they never met in life, so far as we know, and they are that close in in death. Um, Jenna says Mary must have been swollen from the tumor at the time of her death. Yes, exactly. So and that's why it was added to her effigy. So they must have just faithfully create recreated. Um, so we 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 used to look at some of the portraiture and going, oh yes, but we know they we know they Instagram filtered that. Um, evidently not in the effigies. I mean, Elizabeth's effigy, and I can say this as a fellow um, older lady, <laughs> is really jowly, really jowly. And actually, when I went to the Elizabeth and Mary exhibition at the British Library, and you could get up close to a recreation of the effigy that's on the tomb at Westminster Abbey, um, you can see that because you can you can get above the the effigy. And when you look face onto it, She's really jowly, and like I say, I can say this because mine are, mine, are, mine are forming quite nicely. Oh, Lisa says, um, I feel sorry for Mary. She went through such a lot of strife because of Henry. She really did. Um, and you've bought the um, Honour of Cleves book by Heather. It is detailed and it is a great read. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Um, uh, Romance Victorians, I heard about the ghosts of the tower. I think it is a made-up story to make people scared. Well, of course, everyone loves a ghost story. Everyone loves a ghost story, especially um, people who guide. <laughs> and especially if you're a Victorian guide. Um, however, what I would say about the Tower of London is I know at least two people who, three, who've worked there, spent long amounts of time there, have been going about... So they're there going about their daily, daily work or... Um, actually two people one was stationed there one actually lives there um so what i'm saying is they're not heightened to this idea that there could be ghosts around and they've all had experiences so and some one particular lady um physical physical experiences of having her hair tugged in the uh, in the white tower at the tower of london so who knows i don't seem to be like it, you know, some people are channeled into that kind of thing. I just, nothing happens. Um, uh, Mad journalist, no offence, but what a bunch of jokers. They made the ladies true to form, but yet they always make Henry like a decade early. Well, a lot of the portraits of Henry are not nice. They're not flattering, should I say. There's some... Um, some great ones they're elsewhere so you won't see them in sort of the national portrait gallery but the victorian albert um museum has got one and his his features are tiny like he's really like got a sort of tiny face and and you know he's, he's portrayed big so no not all um not all uh likenesses made of henry were flattering by any stretch um elizabeth though you know she she controlled her image just as much as her father did but yeah the effigies are interesting because henry never had an effigy well no he would have had an effigy sorry he did have an effigy it doesn't survive so we don't know what it looked like um but yeah uh lisa says henry's face always seems to look square very unflattering yeah it was well, he was sort of a big I, I imagine big guy like his um like his uh uh grandfather Edward the Fourth as well, um, you know, big stocky guy, square jaws, strong, strong features, um, or strong jawline. Anyway, so yeah, so Westminster Abbey, 
great to go to. What else can I tell you about Westminster Abbey? We've got Poets' Corner. So um, a lot of people commemorated there. Um, and the Tomb of the Unknown Warrior, who any of you don't know about that, I've done a video on that. Um, how, actually it might have been in Patreon, I'm not sure if it's on YouTube, but about how they chose the, the Unknown Warrior. Um, Daddy Pig loves to dig, hi, how are you? Are there any factual unbiased texts that describe his features? Quite possibly, I don't know. I imagine in something like dispatches from ambassadors, you know, where they don't have to be, um, but one where they don't think it's going to be read to Henry uh, and two where they, they don't have to be biased, you know. Also, yeah, I suppose it's subjective. Descri describing someone's features is, is, is subjective. But what I'm saying is that a lot of his portraits aren't, I've seen quite a few that are not at all, <laughs> not at all um, flattering. Um, so, yeah. Chewing Gums, hi, how are you? Really enjoyed your last video uploads. They're really interesting. Thank you. So um, I've had two recently. The They're both with Gareth uh, Russell. One is on the Titanic. So check that out if you're um, interested. We've, we've, we're actually, I erroneously said on the History After Dark room last night that it was today that the Titanic sank. sank. It wasn't, sorry. The 14th of April, is very, very late on, is the date where the Titanic hit the iceberg and it's that so 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 she actually sank overnight into the 15th of april and he talks in that interview about how people just still did not believe that it was going to sink they just did not think it was going to sink and this is a major reason why the lifeboats weren't filled in fact he busts quite a few myths about the titanic things like the third class passengers were kept under, um, under, what do you call it, on a boat? Deck. And, they, and that's not true. Um, that, uh, that somehow uh, Captain Smith was doing something that other um, captains wouldn't do, i.e. carry on at full speed towards an ice field. Um, so it, it, there's there's lots in there. Have a look. Um, Emma says she's just finished listening to the Titanic podcast and loved it. Thank you. I it, I'm really really proud of it. I I love that interview with with Gareth. The other one I've done with him. It just happens that they um that I planned it. I suppose I planned it quite badly. But the the other interview that I've got uh, that went out started uh, uh, went live last night. Should have been today, but I was too um, impatient is about the downfalls of Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard and looking at the differences and the similarities between both of their their downfalls. Um, and it's really telling. And there's also other like things that just came out. If any of you have looked at my Instagram story, that Henry had written a play. He wrote a play and the play was performed before Anne was even executed about about her crimes in fact i think i think before she was actually um convicted uh of of these crimes so fascinating interview so um check that out all the interviews are also available on the podcast as well so depending on how you like to absorb your information you can watch it or you can listen to it uh sam could i recommend 
a documentarian. David Starkey and Lucy Worsley's... Oh, you watch David Starkey and Lucy Worsley on YouTube, yeah. Um, depends on which period you like. Um, uh, 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 I have... I also quite like Dan Jones. Anyone else like Dan Jones? He's very straightforward. <laughs> uh, he sort of goes further back into the Plantagenet history and further back than that. So if you're looking at things like um, uh, the the Knights Templar is written a book on. So there's probably there's probably um, stuff out there from him on that. Um, but yeah, so have a look at Titanic. Have a look at really the loves loves Dan loves Dan. He's great, isn't he? He's all right. He's all right. He's, um, yeah, like I say, straightforward. I like people who are straightforward. Uh, Lisa, well, Dr. Cat, yes, Dr. Cat. Um, so if you look at Reading the Past on YouTube, um, she does a lot of Tudor-based, uh, Tudor history-based videos as well. And you can have a look at some of mine. I've got quite a few, if you want. Um, that would be good as well. Um, Mad Genesis, I knew of it, but I put it down as just rumours. Um, Oh, I was not able to locate or read any copies of the play. So when I mentioned it, it was like, yes, because you are, you are the only one, a mad journalist, who said, yes, I've heard of that. Everyone else is like, no way. The play doesn't survive. Um, the uh, account is basically in... I don't know where the account's written down, but it, it, the account is of it being performed. So that's why we know it existed. Um but as Gala said, how did he have time? <laughs> yeah. um, this is one of the things that was different. He was obviously shocked by the allegations against Catherine Howard. And yet, supposedly, Anne, Anne the, 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 the accusations put across uh, onto Anne were way worse than what for, for Catherine Howard. And yet he's taken everything that happens with Anne in his stride, but not with Catherine. And um, there's so many different, there's so many examples like that that are really telling. Um, Jenna, I think you'll love it. Yes, I have to go and listen to that. Um, yes, please do. There's also a chance to win a copy of Young and Damned and Fair, signed copy by Gareth as well, if you... Um, if you watch it on YouTube and um, answer the question below in the comments so um, yes do that as well uh, this is the last time there will be a chance of winning something on the YouTube all my giveaways from now on will only be in Patreon uh, Janice an early form of propaganda against Anne by Henry absolutely it was it was a look look she's 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 guilty I have no choice I have to get rid of her she's so guilty of these these or guilty of these such these heinous heinous crimes and um <laughs> SF King Cooler. I could write a play about my ex, tragedy or comedy, not sure. <laughs> Jenna, it obviously doesn't surprise me that he would do something like that. I, I just don't has anyone ever written a play or tried to write something? I mean it's not it's not a short task, is it? I bet it was I bet it's crap. <laughs> I bet it's crap. Um Imagine the Howard girl was incredibly young and beautiful, so his ego must have taken a much bigger hit. Well, yes, I think his ego did take a big hit. Um, it's a bit of a, I imagine, wake-up call for him. Oh, I'm not the young, attractive, athletic king man that I was. And 
someone genuinely doesn't fancy me and does fancy someone else enough that they're going to do something about it potentially um yeah so if you're interested in Tudor history um so Sam especially have a look at the interview with Gareth um that's on my YouTube channel after this uh, that's it's a it's a really good place for your interest in Tudor history but there's other documentaries on there as well there's one with Tracy Borman there's one with Heather Darcy there's one with Antonia Keeney there's quite a few on there now uh, Matt Lewis as well so have a little have a little look through so we talked about London I've talked about the interviews that are out so make sure you have yes like I say this is the last time you'll be able to win something just off a YouTube video all the giveaways from now on will be within my Patreon and that starts today actually. Anyone who's paid it member of Patreon um, will be entered into a draw, which I'll draw tomorrow because everyone who's a paid it member by the end of today um, to win a year's, a year's digital subscription to the new Tudor Places magazine, which is, which is quite exciting. Anyone who is a patron will also have an ongoing 15% discount from the, uh, off the magazine uh, and if you are on my email list, there's an early bird 10% discount code on my email list. So make sure you're signed up for that as well. You can um, do that uh, by clicking the link in my bio. So we have two other uh, history anniversaries that I was going to talk about today. We're 40 minutes in already. <laughs> I hope I'm doing a good job of um, waking you up or helping you enjoy your lunch or winding down for the day, wherever you are. Um, so there's two anniversaries I was going to talk to talk briefly about today. The death of the Earl of Bothwell. So this is Mary, Queen of Scots' third husband. He died in a dungeon in a, in a Danish castle. And the Battle of Barnet as well. This is where, this is the one that preceded the Battle of Tewkesbury. It's, it's, it's sort of considered one of the most, or the most decisive battle uh, of the Wars of the Roses between York and Lancaster, I suppose until we get Bosworth, uh, and then uh, of this section of them. And um, uh, it's where Warwick, uh, the Kingmaker, so um, the Earl of Warwick, Richard Neville, dies. So we'll talk about that and then, um, and then maybe one, at some point I'll let you go and enjoy your day. Uh, so yeah, so let's start with Bothwell, shall we? So Bothwell, he dies on the 14th of April, 1578. The Earl of Bothwell um, was, so Mary Queen of Scots, four, uh, sorry, third husband. He was the fourth Earl of Bothwell. And he'd, he, he was implicated, well, he was, he was widely believed to be behind the murder of Mary's second husband, Henry Stuart, Lord Darnley, father to the future James the uh, sixth of Scotland so people saw this as regicide whoever had killed Darnley had killed a king so you know you could that that's 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 a crime that deserves deserves death now by the way had been put on trial but he had been acquitted but people didn't believe that he wasn't um responsible um he married or Mary married him and it's possible that that was under duress. There are, you know, accounts that believe that, that he raped her. She was certainly, she certainly did get pregnant by him. 
um and they they the but it just caused massive fractions uh, at, the, at the Scottish court and Mary and Bothwell faced the, the troops of the Scottish nobles and lords at a place called Carberry Hill. Um, and uh, when was that? June? I haven't written down when that is. Have a look for me. And it, it never went, got into a battle, but Bothwell escaped, he left and Mary surrendered. So there's no bloodshed, but but Bothwell, um, he 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 went back. I think it was to Stirling and set sail to 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 the continent. The idea being that he was going to raise a force um, from the continent to support uh, getting Mary back onto the throne. Um, however, <laughs> through some weird twist of fate and some really bad weather, he ends up landing at Norway. Um, yeah, Genesis. I'm not sure I'd place Darnley in the king category. Well, you don't have to be, as we well know, you don't have to be a good person to be a king or queen. You just have to be in the right place, right time. They're probably born in, well, yeah, born in the right place at the right time. Anyway, so Don, um, Bothwell ends up in, uh, in, in Norway. Happens, we won't go into this now, but he happens to, I'm going to say bump into um, his first wife, whom he'd abandoned taking her dowry. Um, so she's not very pleased. Now he 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 has a, uh, a obviously he's got there by ship and he gives her the ship by way of compensation, get off my back sort of thing. But he's he's been sort of held captive at this time while this is sorted out because she sued him for for abandonment and for taking her dowry. Um, now he thinks he's going to go to Frederick the Second of Denmark and get his support and 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 you know, raise this army to go back to Scotland and, and get Mary and of course himself then uh, back into power. However, Frederick is hearing that the Scots are after him and the English are after him. And he's thinking, could be some money in this, might be a nice ransom payment. And so he held, he has him held captive. Um, he's taken a th- somewhere first, can't remember and then he's transferred to um or basically his his value as a prisoner just vanishes as mary's fortunes or chances of getting back onto the scottish throne uh diminish too because of course mary um is taken after carber hill to loch leven um jazali in antarctica are you kidding <laughs> Wow. Well, you are the furthest afield, afield from, um, and we have Australia online as well. That's amazing. Hi, welcome. So, um, so Bothwell is, uh, sorry, so, so Mary's fortunes are basically in the gutter. She, she, she goes to, uh, she's taken prisoner. She's taken to Lockleaven Castle, which is in the middle of uh, a loch. <laughs> uh, and uh, she actually miscarries. This is how we know. She's definitely slept with Bothwell. She's, she's miscarries. Um, for it to be known to be twins, she has to have been a little bit further gone than she claims. Uh, however, she miscarries, is, miscarries and she's forced to abdicate. The physical, um, just, what, what would you call it? The, the, how she, what she's gone through um, uh, to miscarry twins on her own in a drafty castle 
uh, incredible. Anyway, she's forced to abdicate. And um, no, I'm not Australian. I'm English, <laughs> Gisali, but we have people from Australia on watching. So I'm no, I'm definitely uh, up in the Northern Hemisphere uh, in England. So uh, yeah, so Mary's, um, and then she flees from Lochleven. She manages to escape and comes to England thinking that she'll get support. If you think about it, Mary's, Mary was going to be Queen of France. She is a legitimate Scottish queen and she's descended, or she's related uh, to the Queen of England and she's descended from the same um, grandfather, great-grandfather. So she's come, she comes to England thinking she's going to get support and she doesn't. She goes from being kept a, um, a, 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 a an, an eye on, you know, to just being openly uh, openly known that she's a prisoner. In fact, she turns up to Tutbury Castle. That's where she first finds out um, that yeah, she's now considered a prisoner. Anyway, so her fortunes just dissipate. So of course, Bothwell stuck over there in Denmark as a prisoner is worth nothing to Frederick II. Um, he's finally taken to Dragsholm Castle and kept in the uh, dungeon cellar there. Uh, and the story goes that he is chained to a pillar um, and the, the chain is fairly short, so he can only m move within a very small amount of space around this pillar and that as he's done that I think he was there for about some some accounts say 10 years but that doesn't that doesn't um that doesn't tally in with when he's supposed to be moved there it's, it, that's it's more like five years which is plenty to be um chained to a pillar and he uh he's he's um created a groove in the floor by walking around and around and around this pillar so he's isolated he's not being kept in good conditions at all that's even a stupid thing to say um and he, he he's turn, he turns mad he's 44 when he dies um at Dragsome castle which is now a hotel so you can go and stay there and uh, supposedly another haunted place uh if you are connected into that kind of energy maybe you uh, enjoy that kind of thing <laughs> you could go but yeah so he's he's um his fall from grace was hard it was hard oh well yeah welcome everyone who watches is very very welcome <laughs> chewing gums what do the businessman say about antarctica it's really hard to make money in your in that climate um lisa perhaps he deserved it for his treatment of mary i know and lots of people feel that way that he sort of got what he deserved but it was such a horrendous end i you're talking about a man who was um kept in practically solitary confinement for um, doing pretty much what everyone else did at that time. Um, that's not saying whether it's right or wrong, but, you know, vying for power. Um, and he was married to Mary, who was made to abdicate. And, uh, I mean, she was forcibly made to abdicate, uh, that is being forced, after she just miscarried. Um, so, you know, what about those people? What about those people who did that to her to put 
her baby James on the throne um why do you put a baby on the throne well because you can then take power as the regent so nobody smells of roses in this story um at all so yeah it's a it's an interesting story and the other one I was going to cover today is the um the battle of Barnet now this so we talked about the Battle of Tewkesbury. Any of you saw um, a few weeks ago, I was live from Tewkesbury. I did the uh, battle walk, the battle trail walk around Tewkesbury where you can walk through the field where um, uh, the, the encampment of um, Henry VI troops were. He wasn't there, he was stuck in the tower. Um, and, uh, and, and the major battlefields. Uh, battle points it's really interesting um anyway you can so i was there a couple of weeks ago now the battle of Tewkesbury followed hot on the heels of the battle of barnet um we'd had this weird period in fact if you're on youtube i'm going to try and something here where i can um oh look i've brought up a slide on youtube anyone on instagram you're gonna have to imagine now <laughs> there's a slide on youtube and anyone who's listening on the podcast and basically it's a timeline so I've come up with this timeline to show because we get Henry the sixth then we get Edward then we go back to Henry then we get Edward all right um so Henry the sixth comes to the throne in September 1422 now Henry the sixth is not really fit to 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 rule um and so this causes you know, huge tensions, huge factions, and you've got Richard, Duke of York, who takes up the cause, if you like, um, to um, to really try and put himself uh, to rule because Henry VI can't do it, and he tries a um, period as regent, and anyway, so it never works well. But so Richard, um, Richard, Duke of York, uh, actually dies in battle, but. Um, Warwick the Kingmaker is um Lisa says, wasn't he named Henry the Sick? Henry the Sick, Henry the Sick. Well, I mean he was, and you can't you can't expect that somebody who can't rule to be the ruler of an autocracy. Which is what a monarchy is. Mono means one. It's one person in charge. Um so of course, when you have this is why this is why um, children on the throne is such a, a problem at this time. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's it's difficult. But say so, so yeah, so I've got this timeline up. So we we then get Edward the Fourth comes to the throne um, just after his. I think his father died two months earlier. So we we could have had a Richard, um, but they win. Was that Towton? Towson, wasn't it? Um, and so Edward the Fourth becomes king on uh, March fourteen sixty one. Now Warwick the Kingmaker, Richard Neville, um, had uh, been pivotal in that battle. Um, you know, he's very rich. He's 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 got the resources, and and he supports Edward at this point. Now Edward is young; he's eighteen when he comes to the throne, when they win at the Battle of Towton, and he is not as malleable, it turns out, as Warwick the Kingmaker was hoping. Um, and you get this massive vine of power. Anyway, by the time we get to the <clears throat> Battle of Barnet, Warwick the Kingmaker has switched sides. He's on Henry VI's side now. 
um, Edward the Fourth had been um, exiled over, was in hiding over on the continent. Anyway, really just long enough to to sort of come up with a plan, and he comes back and they meet at Barnet. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this is one, it's because it's for today, but two, I'm going to show it on YouTube. Um, so you had. It was just basically a massive, weird twist of fate and the weather, right? The outcome of Battle of Barnet. Um, and it just descended into chaos. But let me start off by saying, so you had like three um, battalions. What do you call them? I should get up on my battle, my battle lingo. And um, so you had Warwick's forces um, set up under three commanders. And alongside them should have been pretty much opposite you had um, Edward IV's troops so the the Yorkist side it's very foggy they've got their anyway they've set up slightly off offset when the battle commences the next morning one of um, the York battalions is they basically end up managing to come round and they just it's a rout and they push them down into Barnet because actually the battle happens just north of Barnet and there's a, 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 a battalion, I don't know if I'm using the same, the right word actually, but um, uh, headed by um, the Earl of Hastings. They're, they're pushed into Barnet by uh, the Earl of Oxford's troops. They dissipate, they run, they go, and Oxford's troops decide to have a little bit of a pillage of Barnet while they're there. Oxford manages to get them back together. He's like, no, 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 the, ba- the battle is not over. And gets them back to the battlefield. However, it's so foggy that as they return to the battlefield, their standard is mistaken for that of of York and the their own troops. So the other uh, troops of Warwick's uh, army turn on them. So you have Warwick's troops uh, fighting each other. So it's absolute chaos. You've got shouts of treason going up and... Um, in that foray, people just disappear. I'm off. I'm out of here. And Warwick is found by some of York, the York troops and he's killed on the battlefield. So without Warwick, really Henry VI's um, chances are over. Now we get the Battle of Tewkesbury um, less than two weeks later where Henry VI's wife and son lead troops to try and win but the Yorkist the Yorkist brothers are you know they're, they're it, Tewkesbury happens hot on the heels of their victory at Barnet they've killed Warwick the Kingmaker the, the traitor to their cause and they catch up with Margaret von Anjou's troops at Tewkesbury this was not where Margaret von Anjou was planning to have battle um, and uh, anyway that's that's a different topic and you can you can have a look at my videos about the battle of barnet and uh, and the battle of Tewkesbury. jenna not trees and just friendly fire yeah yeah friendly fire who came up with that term jeez louise yeah but yeah so isn't that just that 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 twist of fate the weather interestingly it was foggy when i woke up here today if you find that interesting <laughs> But you can have fog, definitely have fog in mid in mid April here, most definitely. Um so yeah, not a straightforward battle. Um 
and uh, yeah, an interesting turn of events, which which turned out to be conclusive. And of course, Edward the um, Fourth reigned until until he died then uh, of a natural death. And then of course it was his sons we were talking about before, um, Edward the Fifth and his younger brother uh, Richard, uh, who uh, who were the princes in the Tower. So there you go, Battle Barnet. So you can see a video that I've done. It's only short. It's a, it was a um, part of my This Week in British History snippets that I was doing last year. So you can check that out, easy peasy. Now, the next two weeks, I will be on jury service, so I won't be here. I may well do ad hoc videos, but I've got no idea whether I'm going to be full on on a case or whether I'm going to be sitting in the waiting room for two weeks. I've got no idea. So you may or may not see me for the next two weeks. Um, so I will be back on the 5th of May. Um but as any of you who've, who were here earlier will know, I was, uh, I'm was i going to be taking, I, I run tours and my first tour for this year is running in May. I've got a couple of days private tour before that, which is going to be very fun. So I'm probably going to be a little bit ad hoc during May, but I'll be back doing Thursday Tea Time Live on the 5th of May anyway. And then after that, it might go a little bit skewy for a while, a little bit uh, ad hoc. Um, but... Uh, in the meantime, check out the interviews with Gareth Russell on Titanic, which of course the anniversary of the uh, of, it, of it actually sinking is is tomorrow, but it sort of happens overnight, fourteenth to the fifteenth of April. Um, have a look at that interview. It's um, just the way he talks. It's very, very, very informative, um, passionate, really, um, but. Uh, and incredibly interesting because it is a, it is a proper myth buster. Um, chewing gum's friendly fire, I think, was first coined in the uh, was first used by the US military, but I might be wrong. Mm. Janice, good luck with the jury service. Thank you. I'm hoping to not get anything too harrowing. I'm I'm um, I can be a little bit sensitive, depends what I'm talking about or who it is, but yeah, um. Oh, I didn't do our just for fun question. Let me do that because this is going to be the last one for a few weeks. So the question last week was, who does Gareth Russell think he should have been harder on in his book about the Titanic? Um, does anybody know? If anyone's watched the interview, they will know. So this is Gareth's book about the Titan Titanic. It's called The Ship of Dreams. It um, it does look slightly different on the American version. Uh, this is a different cover. It's called the sink. So the ship of dreams, the sinking of the Titanic, and the end of the Edwardian era. Um, in this book, it, accounts of um, passengers from third class, second class, first class, and the crew. Um, thank you, Daddy Piglet, to dig. Yes, um, but in in a um, interview, he he mentions, "I wish I had been harder on someone." Do any of you know, or you could take a guess actually, who Mike Gareth have wanted to or thinks he should have been harder on? Uh, in his book about the Titanic. Um, I will give you a few minutes while I tell you. Um, Janice says, yes, Janice has got it. Anyone on YouTube want to give it a guess? Who who does Gareth think he should have been harsher on in his book about the Titanic? And he talks about this in the interview. So if you want to know as well, after you find out the answer, why he thinks he should have been harsher on him, then listen to the interview. The other interview as well with him about um, Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard, definitely uh, please go and listen to that as well. Okay, it was Captain Smith. Janice and Emma have got it. He does. He thinks he should have been harsher on Captain Smith. Um, one of the things he talks about is the the, um, 
the idea that he didn't slow down, that Captain Smith didn't slow down, and that was just ridiculous. However, he also goes on to talk about why, um, yeah, my journalist, you've got it. Janice says, I can't remember why. You'll have to look at the interview again. <laughs> I can't, but he, um, it, it, the, the, believe it or not, the, the received wisdom at the time was to plough through an ice field. Um, so, yeah, it, it, and actually, Daddy Pig loves to sing, says, for going too fast, he it's not well he no actually that's not why he thinks he should have been harsher on him because the received wisdom it was to plow through an ice field um it's well i shouldn't tell you because i want you to go and look at the interview but um there's loads more in there than just this but no it was more that he didn't instill um any feeling of urgency he didn't inform the crew that yes actually this was a uh, a fatal um uh, da- this was fatal damage to the ship and they were going to have to evacuate and because he didn't instill that in the crew uh, including the hospitality crew there was no sense of urgency on the boat to get off and gareth talks about this the concert's still going on the food's still being served um, it, you know, people knew there was stuff going on. They were up in the middle of the night because there was something going on. Um, but uh, it, it, he he just didn't give that urgency. So they didn't um, they didn't instill that urgency on the passengers. And you had some people getting into lifeboats, but they weren't they weren't full because people couldn't be persuaded to get into them they didn't see the need have a look at the interview it's brilliant i've really really enjoyed talking to gareth about it and just listening to him talk about it it's incredibly insightful um yes janice said yeah no one knew it was significant indeed well they well yeah captain smith obviously did know um that just didn't he you know he could have been in a state of shock either way it, it, you know that 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 sense of urgency wasn't translate, translated to the crew and to the passengers and um, jenna they all screwed up tremendously indeed um he also talks about the moon that night the stillness of the water check it out you'll really enjoy it right everybody have a um lisa no i don't have a question for the next two weeks because i'm not quite sure what i'm going to be well, i'm definitely going to be back on the fifth um but i'll probably it might be my only one in may so let's um i'm going to leave it for now so there isn't just a fun question this week i'm afraid uh but going if you go and check out gareth's interview about Anne and Catherine, so Anne berlin and Catherine howard there is a chance to win his book so i'll give you that to do uh you can win a signed copy of uh young and damned and fair which is the biography by him of Catherine howard which is the biography you need to read if you're interested in Catherine Howard. Um, thank you, everyone. Wishing me luck for jury service. I will be back on the 5th of May. And um, so everyone have a lovely Easter, wherever you are in the world. Whether you celebrate it or not, I hope you get some chocolate eggs. <laughs> That's what Easter's all about, isn't it? Um, so have a fabulous weekend, everybody. I will see you in a few weeks time. So take care. um, And yeah, have a great one. Bye bye.